Welcome to Rethinking Education. Education's critical friend. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode three of the Rethinking Education Campfire Conversations. And what a conversation this is. Today, we were joined by nine young people, six from the Dominican Republic and three from the UK, who were sharing their thoughts and their experiences about school and what they would like to see more of and less of. And just as a heads up, this is a really powerful and at times quite emotional, heart-wrenching conversation. If you haven't joined the Facebook group yet, the Rethinking Education Facebook group, I recommend that you do so and then you can see the chat feed that ran alongside this conversation and it was just incredible. So today I was joined by Kate McAllister, my longtime friend and compadre, and also by Andres, by Olivia, Marcos, Sam, Eddie, Grace, Alia, Lox and Lottie, who joined us last time in the second episode. I won't say anything else, I'll just let you listen to it and make your own mind up. But my goodness, if ever you needed evidence that we need to urgently start listening to the voices of young people, not just to hear their views on education, but to actually work with them to reshape and rebuild an education system that is going to actually help them to get off to the best start in life, well, you have it in this conversation. If you'd like to get involved in this conversation, or if you know anybody who you think would be good to include in a campfire conversation in the future, my contact details are in the show notes. And you can also join the Facebook group or the Mighty Network. And I strongly recommend that you do. And I look forward to hearing from you soon. Okay, over to episode three of Campfire Conversations. I am more than a candidate number. Okay, and we're live again. Welcome uh, everybody on the screen and everybody who is watching or possibly listening um, to the third episode of the Rethinking Education Campfire Conversations. This is a series of live streamed conversations um, with people who want to rethink and reform education so as to bring about a more harmonious, less hair-raising and sometimes quite frankly worrying state of world affairs. Um, Rather delightfully, we are joined today by nine young people aged uh, nine to 18, six of them in Dominican Republic and three in England, um, and also by our familiar friend, Kate McAllister. Um, Before we get started, let's whiz around the screen and we'll just have a brief introduction from each of you. And if you're each able to say sort of three things, firstly, that your name, secondly, where in the world you are, and thirdly, like why you wanted to join this conversation. You know, what is it that made you think, oh, actually, yeah, that'd be a good conversation to join. So we'll go around the screen in the order that you appear on my screen, and then I know that everyone's been been had a chance to speak. So uh, we'll start with you, Lox. You're on mute, buddy. Hi, I'm Lox. I'm nine years old, and I am in the UK. And 
The reason I wanted to join this call is because I want to sort of have a voice in rethinking education because my mum, like, tried to make a school called Sweeney and um, and she signed me up for this call because she thought I would that I could sort of help out a little bit and help her um, think about what education really should be. Perfect. Thank you, Grace. Hi, I'm Grace. Um, I'm 19. I'm in the DR at the moment, um, volunteering at the high school. And the reason I wanted to join this call was because um, I think it's very important that uh, young people's voices get heard, even from um, age nine and upwards, not just like the later stages of being a teenager. Amazing. I absolutely agree. Uh, Aliyah. I'm Aaliyah, I'm 18 years old, I'm based in London in the UK and I really wanted to be a part of the conversation just because of the, my personal experiences of the education system and wanting to sort of collaborate and connect with other young people that have different experiences and sort of figure out how our experiences, how we can pull on some of our positive experiences to kind of reimagine education um, and schooling, so yeah. Yeah, thank you. And we'll hear more about about people power. I imagine later this uh, this community of young people that you have been you set it up, didn't you? You were very central in that. Yeah, so we'll hear about that. Um, so next we have Lottie. Hi, I'm Lottie. I'm 18, and I'm from not very sunny Southampton at the moment. Um, and I wanted to join this call out of frustration for how my education experience has been and how I don't feel that's represented um, in these conversations often. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Andres? Hi, I'm Andres. I'm 15 years old, and the reason why I wanted to join this cause, I wanted to have a voice in my education instead of just always being the um, iron under the hammer, sort of. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. That paints a powerful picture in very few words. Uh, Kate. You're on mute. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, sorry, waiting to click. Hi, I'm Kate, um, and I'm in the DR. The Hive is the alternative to school that I opened, and I'm in this conversation because our philosophy at the Hive is with, not for. We want to design design a model for learning and education with the people it's supposed to serve. And so I want to ask young people, what can I do to help them get the education that they want to have? Thank you. Olivia. Um, I'm Olivia and I am also in the Dominican Republic. And I joined this call because I feel like the next generation um, needs to be taught what um, they need to learn to be able to change things. Fantastic. Thank you. Marcos. I am Marcos. I'm 15 years old and I'm currently in the DR. And I joined this call um, to learn a little bit more about education because I don't really know that much. Thank you. Uh, Sam? Hi, I'm Sam. I'm currently in the DR as well. Uh, I'm here on this call uh, just 
basically to change my horrible experiences with the education system so it doesn't happen to anyone. Right. Okay. Thank you. I'm sure we'll hear more about that later on. I'm sorry to hear that you've had horrible experiences. Um, and lastly, Eddie. Hi. Um, I'm Eddie. I'm in the Dominican Republic as well right now. I'm 15 years old, and I wanted to join this call because, uh, particularly because of the public education system uh, near where I live now. Right. Great stuff. Okay, thank you. So I'm happy for this conversation to go. Oh, by the way, I'm James, and I'm in Brighton in the south of England. Um, and I just to echo what everyone said, really, I'm, I've joined this call because I'm really, really interested to hear what you all have to say. And so often young people's voices are not invited into the conversation about the lives of young people, which seems like an oversight. Um, so um, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. So in planning this conversation, we sort of came up with three broad questions, um, but I'm perfectly happy for this conversation to go in any direction that you want to take it in. And the first of these questions is, is the education system fit for purpose? as it currently stands. And by the education system, we really mean school. Um, but you might want to think about education more widely than school. Um, in other words, does education do everything that we want it to do or need it to do? And if so, why? And if not, why not? So who would like to get the ball rolling? And please just use hand signals, by the way, if you want to, if you want to speak next. Or I can pick someone if you like. Let's go, uh, Locks. I want to start with you. What do you think sh um, about the education system? Because I mean, you've not really been to school yourself, have you? But I'm, I imagine you've heard of it and you know a little bit about it. So, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that schools uh, do everything that they should do? Well, I mean, I like the idea of school, like a place where kids can go and learn about. Um, about um, learn what they need to learn for life and to and to um, survive in life, but um, I don't think it's exactly right at the moment because, as I was saying earlier, you, they're just hammering it into you, and that's not what we want. We want we want people to to learn about how to teach yourself about education and not have other people force it into you. Right. Okay. So it's the fact that education is sort of done to young people that, like, you use this phrase that it's ha that things are hammered into you that they repeatedly sort of um, tell you stuff, um, and you think that it should be more about like self-directed learning that young people should be able to sort of to 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 figure out their own path. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Well, choice is a is a huge part of it. You need to be able to tell your teacher or tutor or whatever that um, what you want to learn and what you want to spend your life doing and what you want to go and what, um, what you want to do at university and um, what you want to um, do qualifications for. Yeah, thank you. Does anyone want to respond to that? This question of choice is an interesting one, isn't it? It comes up a lot. Um, maybe somebody who has been in the education system, what has been your experience of the extent to which you're given choice or not given choice over what you study, but also, you know, whether you can go to the toilet or get a drink of water, for example. Um, Sam already, I'm not sure which one of you has your hand up. 
So basically, there's a quote. If you give a man a fish, it'll feed him for a night. But if you teach a man to fish, it'll feed him for a lifetime. So honestly, it's it's kind of the same with education. I mean, if you cram it into a child, it's just going to go one year, like in one year and out the other. But if you teach them to learn for themselves, like let's say giving like putting them outside for a night and like making them study the trees or whatever, that's, that's not going to do anything. But if you, if you make it, if they're willing to go out and learn and do something, then it's going to, they're actually going to remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Perfectly put. Aliyah. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in and say that I completely agree that we should have choice. And at the moment, it doesn't feel like we have choice just due to the fact that we are told what to learn, when to learn and how to learn it. And that then creates a sort of a division amongst students that are receiving that education um, or schooling, if you like, because some engage and some don't engage. And I think the problem is when you look at the students that don't potentially engage, we straight away sort of see them as like troublesome or, you know, um, we, we associate all these like, negative connotations towards the reason for why they're not engaging rather than asking why they're not engaging, which could perhaps be because, you know, the system is not actually benefiting them. It's not built to help them. Um, and so going back to your question, I don't believe that the system is, you know, sort of built um, or fit for purpose as of now, um, just due to the fact that it doesn't represent all students, um, all students' needs, all students' aspirations. I mean... Even going back to the idea of choice, right now, I've just come out of, you know, seven years, um, or even more than seven years, actually, because starting from primary school, um, you know, finishing year 13, and it very much feels as if, like, you know, I've had no choice. And a lot of students, although I've decided by myself to go to university, a lot of students around me have been forced to go to university due to them feeling like that's the only pathway. So it's like this feeling of, like, an, an exam factory that you sort of get pumped out of, and you sort of have to do what the system tells you to do. But then what will happen is some people that will go to university not enjoy themselves, not feel like that's what they want to do and sort of have wasted those those years um, in some in, in some in some cases. So, yeah, it's really interesting. I think the education system should be built on empathy, should be built on trust. And I don't feel like we necessarily have that. Like, I don't feel like the system in itself trusts young people to decide what they want to learn um, the same way we don't we're not trusted to make decisions on our own behalf. So. If we had a little bit more empathy, I think a lot of issues would be be solved. Thank you. Grace? Um, yeah, I agree with Aaliyah. And um, that the education, what I find that it's quite overstructured and it um, and it focuses a lot on like this like future, like it's helping the future generations, the future future, but like the future is often very unknown and it's very unpredictable. Um, sorry, I don't know how well you can hear me because it started raining, but um, um, the future is often very unpredictable, which makes it almost impossible to plan for it. So I think that it's more important that we plan for today and that um, we, yeah, we focus on people's strengths rather than exploiting their weaknesses and making them feel like failures if they can't do something. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Kate? Um, I wanted to ask, so in the beginning, the first few descriptions of the purpose of education were to prepare you for life and for what was going to come. So 
someone who's who's just finished either Grace or Lottie or Aaliyah, do you feel that your um, your time in education has prepared you for the decisions that you're making now and for the decisions that are in front of you in the next few months or few years? I'm about to move into student housing and the first thing I was thinking of was paying bills and doing all of that stuff we don't get any any financial education at all I have no idea how to do that I've been teaching myself um so that is a big thing that's missed off but also I think what people don't understand from moving from a sixth form or a college or whatever onto that big life stage of university you're on your own like a lot of us are moving across the country or whatever situations where we don't know and now we're going to have no support and it's going to be like get on with it type thing um and there's nothing there to just the general life skills. We're not told, you know, you might struggle with making friends. That's okay. You know, here's how you do this, that and the other. Um, it's very like, good luck. You work it out for yourself type thing, which to a degree is fine. But why hasn't that been implemented from the start? Like we've been talking about being more self-directed. We could have done this a lot earlier than going, okay, you've got to university now cope, <laughs> which is just not how it should work at all. No, suddenly you go from being supported the whole way through education, telling you, as Aaliyah said, what to do, when to do it, how to do it, how I want it to be done. And then you just, yeah, sink or swim, ciao. Just throw you out into adulthood, underprepared. Um, yeah, that's how it feels to me watching it. Um, and I wondered how it felt to be experiencing that. Can I go? Uh, um, yeah, I think the same as Lottie. Like when I was in school, I was very like, okay, mark scheme, like I can tick all the boxes and I know that if I can tick all the boxes, then I will be successful and like I will be a good student. And then as soon as I left, like finished school, I mean, I didn't have A-levels last year, but I came here and the only this is the only time in my life where I've actually been like self-driven and self-directed um, because I've realized that no one else is going to do it for me, but I've never been taught that before. Like, like, oh, there's a, I don't know. I'll give you an example. Like, oh, there's a leak on the floor. Like, okay. Cause in school, like that stuff just gets cleaned up. Like stuff just gets done for you and you don't even realize. And then all of a sudden you're in the real world and you're like, oh, wait, oh, I, someone does that. Oh, that's me. I have to do that <laughs> as well. Not that it's a problem, but like, you don't get taught that. Like, I haven't realised that until I'm 19, which is quite late in life, when you can be taught that from, like, Lox is nine, and I'm sure that there's a leak on the floor, he'll be self-directed enough to mop it up. Yeah. I completely agree with you, and I was also thinking about how hypocritical it is for schools to, um, and the one about mainstream education here, to be very, like, you know, you're grown up now, you're adults, you're in year eight or whatever I had a teacher who was calling me like an adult when I was like 11 which was crazy but there you go and was saying you're growing up you're this you're that but then at the same time be like but you can't go to the toilet and you can't wear your own clothes to school and you can't do this and that and your hair's wrong and this is wrong so I, I'm like in two minds about this because we should be teaching people to be more self-directed but that comes with freedom and that comes with that independence to kind of be unique and do what you want to a degree um, so it's completely hypocritical and that's why we're all getting to this stage now and going, oh wait, I have to do this on my own, but I've never been able to do anything on my own before. In fact, it's not been encouraged. So, yeah. 
Could I jump in? I guess like for me, I can only like echo exactly what's been said by Grace and Lottie. Um, I think we've come to this realisation and it's sad that it's taken, you know, all these years when you end year 13 at the age of 18 or finish college at the, the age of 18 and you're like, oh, wait, my experience hasn't been so great. And maybe the education system isn't fit for purpose because when you're in the system, it feels very much like you're just in the cycle of it and you kind of don't see things for the way they are. Luckily, we, you know, in some in some regards, I always say that the positive of lockdown is that feeling of like resetting and actually being able to see things for the way they are, which a lot of students did. But I'm interested to sort of like reflect back the question to the younger um, students um, on here that are in some form of school. And when they realised, because for me, it was probably when I left year 11, when I realised the system wasn't all like rosy and flowers. But for, for you guys, when was, when was that moment where you realised actually maybe things aren't right here and I want better, I want change. I'm really, yeah, I'm really interested to know that because my younger siblings haven't reached that conclusion. So when I'm talking about all these things, they're like, Leah, what are you going on about? Um, and probably think I'm just ranting all the time. But um, yeah, I'm interested to know what you guys think. Yeah, yeah. Like, so let's let's hear from some of the people we've not heard from yet. So uh, Andreas and Olivia, Marcos, Eddie, um, have you got any thoughts on this? Sure, I think... Probably that moment of realization came for me in sixth grade. Um, and I think it was, I just remember thinking how unfortunate it was that during, you know, the most malleable times of me and my classmates' lives that we were being told what to think rather than being told how to think. So I think that was just really unfortunate because you know, decisions were being made uh, without us where essentially, you know, things that weren't even necessarily facts, but opinions were being spoon fed into us. And like, I suppose just in general, we weren't really taught how to navigate the world ourselves. Thank you. Anyone yeah. else want to carry on? Andres. I would have to agree with Eddie. Like, my waking point was when I was like, I've been homeschooled the majority of my life, but still it hasn't been like self-directing learning. So like, I'm dyslexic. So like, that really sucks because like everyone else thinks like, oh, you're like four, 15, so you could write like a, like 10 page essay on like one thing while I can't do that and stuff like that so like it kind of we did this homeschool co-op like two years ago and um it kind of sucked for me because like just because like some people are different thinkers than others so like I was just struggling a lot there and like everyone would be like, oh no, you're not following like the program. Like, and it was very much like, you're not directed. It's more like you're being, you're just like a herd of sheep led by like a shepherd who apparently knows better than like everyone else sort of a thing. Yeah, thank you. That's really powerful. 
and that sort of like echoes a bit what, of what Lottie was saying earlier about people who are, was it Lottie? Um, young people being made to feel like failures, or maybe it was Grace who said that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to hear if anyone else has got any experiences or any thoughts of that. Sam, you, you mentioned earlier that, that, you, um, that you had some difficult times in school. Is that, is that something that echoes with your experience? So basically, I had I had very my teachers were extremely strict, and not only did they want to teach you what to do, they wanted to teach you how to do it. So let's say I was in math and I got a problem right, but they would kind of cut me down and push me down the stairs, basically, by saying you got the answer right, but you're kind of dumb because you don't know how to do it the right way. And so you're being, all this so-called knowledge is being pushed into your brain. And it's just, it's not efficient and it's not kind. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, how about uh, Olivia or um, Marcos? What are your thoughts on what you've been hearing so far? Um, well, I was homeschooled all my life except for one year. I did one year of, um, like, private school. And I think it was, like, first grade. But I think the turning point for me was um, I was in math, and it'd take me so long. I have dyslexic, too. But it'd take me so long to do one problem. And as soon as I looked up, everybody else was 10 pages ahead of me. And then I just kind of gave up and just started doodling on the sides because I just gave up. And I thought that it was kind of weird that how instead of taking time and actually trying to teach everyone, they just kind of just were like, just finish the paper already instead of being like, really understand it. Yeah, yeah. And so that made you feel like you just wanted to give up and not really be there. And yeah. it just wasn't really fun anymore. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, how about you, Marcos? Um, I was going to agree on, like, what Sam, I think he said. Like, sometimes in math, like, they give you a problem and you do it one way. Or you're like, okay, I'll do it this way. But then you, in their eyes, you can still get it wrong because they want you to do it this certain other way. So if you do like a whole sheet of math, completely correct, um, they might grade you like uh, some other, like not an A or something like that because you didn't do it like the way they wanted you to. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to sit and listen to you saying those things because I am, it's taking me back a really long way to when I was eight years old and Want, especially listening to Olivia, I wanted to understand. I didn't feel like I understood what I was being asked to do. And I wanted to take the time to be able to understand and I was never given it. And I remember giving up too, because it wasn't interesting if I couldn't solve the puzzle, if I couldn't see the full picture um, and not being given the time to do that. And it makes me feel quite sad that that is still being experienced by children in the UK and in the States. And I would guess 
in lots of other places too. Yeah. Yeah, there's such a strong pattern that's emerging here. Like, and somebody just wrote on the on the Facebook feed. Some of this is quite heart wrenching to listen to, and it is like to hear about the, you know the way that this makes you feel. But the, the the message that I'm getting is like there was a phrase that you used, Eddie. I think it was uh, decisions were being made without us. You know, that's like such a like a disempowering. <laughs> thing isn't it that like this is all just being done to you um this phrase has been used a few times that we're, we're not just being taught what to do but how to do it that we're being spoon-fed not just knowledge but opinions like here's how to think about this thing here's how to go about this math problem and if you have another way of going about it you know that's somehow wrong or devalued and some of the metaphors that people are using you know somebody said earlier about feeling like the iron under the hammer Locks, you also said something about, you know, people hammering things into you. Um, and it's just like, it's very powerful to hear you speaking in this way. Um, and it's something that's not new, <laughs> you know, like I, I, this week, because I sort of mentioned on, on Twitter that I was going to be having this conversation, I, somebody recommended this book, which I've come across. It's called The School I'd Like. And it was written in 1967. The Observer, the newspaper, uh, had a competition to ask young people, you know, what's the school that you would like? And there was a quote in it from this, from a 15-year-old girl, she'll be 69 now, um, who said, I am tired of hearing that the hope of my country lies in my generation. If you give me the same indoctrination, which basically means just repeatedly, you know, telling somebody the same thing until they no longer question it, um, how can you expect me to be any different from you? So that's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> this is this is like you know people have been young people have been saying this <clears throat> for a really long time, uh, and it's still happening. And um, and and somebody put on put on the the feed earlier as well that it's mad to think that university is the first taste of self direction. And even you could argue that even at university, you know, you've chosen the course, but you're still sort of then told within that course what to do and when. Um, and and obviously, you know, directing your own learning, being in charge of your own you know learning journey, is such an important thing that if you don't learn it in childhood then you don't learn it. And like there are loads of adults who never pick up a book, for example. They just don't read ever because they sort of, they've just figured that, that, that I'm not a learner. I'm not, that's not something that I do. And that's really sad. Okay, um, Lottie. I just wanted to touch on that quote you just said, because when you emailed that out the other day, it really made me think, because I think often we're told as a generation, you're, you know, you're the heroes, you're going to save the planet. A lot of it's to do with the environment. You're going to, you know, save us all. It's going to be great when you guys get into power. But to a degree, that's really exploitative. And um, I feel that so much with the work that we do at People Power. As much as it's great and we make sure we work with people who have our best interests at heart and have the same goals. I think it's very easy to see groups like us and take advantage of it as the young people who are going to change things and save the world. But like, realistically, we need everyone in this to get it right. And we can't be doing it when we're all adults. We need to be doing it now so that not another young person goes through this system and has such a rubbish time like a lot of us have had on this call. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I just took a deep breath and just went for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's great. Elia. Yeah, I completely agree with what Lottie was saying. And I just think it goes back to 
that because I feel like it needs to be more than a conversation because like you said James we're not the only group of young people that have been having this conversation um and I'm sure we won't be the last either and so it's how do we turn we say this all the time at people power how do we turn you know <clears throat> this conversation into action to tangible solutions um and sometimes it's, it's you can start with really small steps it's we look at the system as at, at large and can be really overwhelmed by it but we can actually do smaller steps that can lead to that bigger change through you know just practicing in the classroom to on a, on a local scale that can then be transferred on a national scale um <clears throat> and for me it's you said as well at the beginning about how we can reform education and I really don't like that word to be honest because we've had a education reform and not much has changed and so I feel like it's about thinking more radically and people get really scared at the word radical because they're uncomfortable and they feel this feeling of you know all just hesitation essentially and I think it for me it's really exciting because if we are really really prepared and want and desire this change then we need to be able to think bigger than what we're, we're currently going through and ask things like okay can you know could education be led by by robots who knows some people might like it some people might not but we need to ask those massive questions and I think lockdown has done that the sort of thinking of the positives lockdown has encouraged um this beauty of imagination that we haven't really been encouraged to have before where we think beyond you know what we're expecting um and what we've what we've received so far yeah thank you sam or eddie yeah i i agree with leah where basically the word reform is is almost a word of hatred where um like basically that's kind of what the schools are saying about us they want to reform children instead of changing the way they think so they they'd rather take away the basically the rights of the younger generation in kind of push us into their way of thinking yeah yeah thank you Thank you. So, so let's move on to the second of these questions. I think we've established <laughs> that the education system, the school system at least, um, isn't fit for purpose if it's not helping young people to find their feet, to find you know, their ability to direct their own learning and to empower them to, to take action. And there's this comments coming through with people uh, really agreeing with what you were saying, Lottie, about how, you know, this idea of saying that you're, you're the future, you fix, you fix this mess, you know, it's all on you, is, is horrible. Um, and actually, I think it's a very smart thing that you said that we all need to do this together. This is not like, you know, the kids have got the answers to this, but, you know, we all need to work together. Um, and that's, that's going to be an important part. So let's move on to this second question, which is, what should be the purpose of education? And we've sort of touched on this already, but I wonder if we can flesh this out a little bit more into like, rather than like a negative, you know, description of this, this system that we want to move away from, can we start to describe something that's a bit more cool, a bit more positive, a bit more forward thinking that we can move towards? Grace. Um. I'm sorry, if you, can you hear me? It's really raining. Yeah, it's, it sounds <laughs> nice and atmospheric. <laughs> um, I think that it would be great if education could um, take into consideration people's pace um, uh, as they learn and um, that not everyone learns at the same speed because I think we spoke about it a few weeks ago that everyone's just kind of like 
push through this funnel so that at the last minute everyone has to pass their exams and then the government can say our country's better than your country and I think that that doesn't help um, kids who maybe some people are ready to take their exams when they're 12 but some people aren't ready till they're 19 um, and I think that it would be great if our education system could work around um, people's pace and not make people feel bad for um, you know being like yeah not being able to work as fast as others. Yeah, thank you. Sam, already. So I, I think one way to help the education system in the US right now would be instead of cramming knowledge, just give them not only like their own way of thinking, but teach them how to think their own way and let them set the pace um, because like Grace said it can take like half an hour to like I'd say six hours I mean everybody has their own pace and that needs to be acknowledged Thank you, Alia Yeah, I feel like just this idea like really stripping it back to just in encouraging young people and children to just be um and that seems so like simplistic but that's pretty much all we're asking for to allow young people and children just to be themselves to be children um to enjoy that process because we're always told you know it's the best time of your life and then you have all this stress and anxiety and feeling overwhelmed and you come out of it you're like oh like I could have really enjoyed that way more um and also another word that I'll chuck in there is just to make education more democratic and I feel like by doing so, that would then encourage, like we keep promoting here and that we're all big advocates of is youth voice and, you know, seeing, kind of eliminating those power structures and making it more collaborative like Motti imagined. And I think if we had that, that would just be, yeah, that would be amazing. I totally agree. And I also think we need to get rid of all this marketization around education, especially mainstream education. Um, using young people as puzzle pieces in a business is just wrong because that's what it is, right? It's turned into a business where those with better grades are used to kind of bump up their um, economic standpoint and the way they look and, you know, to get more students in. Um, I think that needs to stop completely. And yeah, that's quite a hard thing to kind of enact because that's going to take... Um, the government to do that but um, yeah marketization needs to stop because we're not a business this is our lives you're playing with basically yeah can I ask you to explain a bit more about that because that might be an idea that people haven't really thought that much about before can you explain what do you, what do you mean by the marketization of education how is it yeah. how is it like a market yeah that's no problem so uh, the best way I can describe it is how league tables and advertising and stuff makes schools a business and something that's profitable so for example a school in their league table they're ranked because of how well their students do so they're going to want students to do their best not necessarily because they care about these students I'm sure most teachers do but from a management perspective it's, it's different it's because they want to get more students into their school to then gain that better economic standpoint um which is totally wrong because this happens from when students are four, five, six, and you're um they won't tell you they're testing you at that age, obviously, but their development is being completely tested and checked from four, five, and six. Um, so that's incredibly wrong to start with because you're getting 
really, really young people who are easy to exploit. Um, but also it puts you into a kind of a mould straight away. A lot of our predicted grades for our GCSEs were taken from my SATs grades. And then my A-level grades were predicted from my SATs grades. And actually, that's just like, what? That's crazy. And if marketization wasn't a thing, we wouldn't get this like trajectory that was going up because that's how it works towards leaked tables. I just rambled there. I hope that makes sense. No, it's perfect. Thank you. And it's something that um, I think about a lot all the time. Some people call it neoliberalism. It's like this, this idea, and it's not just in education, it's like the marketization of society. And it changes how we think about ourselves as something that is measurable by exam results. And that if you get, if you don't have the same exam results as somebody else, that you're somehow less of a person. It's, it has lots of very sort of dark, uh, like a dark side to it, that idea. Um, and I think that you're dead right to, to identify like league tables, comparing people against one another, education as a competition where you're, where you're just, just judged on whether you're better than other people. And that's what exams are, right? There are only so many A grades to go around or level nines. And it's like, it's a competition. It's like the Hunger Games or something. It's like this brutal competition. And actually, you know, the, everyone's valuable, right? And we need to we need to make everyone feel really confident and like they can kick ass as they as they go go into life and not like they you know are rubbish at stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so let's go, Grace, and then Aaliyah, and then I want to hear from from the others who haven't spoken for a while. Um, I just wanted to add to what Lottie said because I agree so much, and that um, it starts on like such a like a tiny like local scale like in the classroom like you get ranked from best to worst and then it's like within the within your year you get ranked best to worst and then within the school and then with it competing with other schools and it goes all the way up to like our country competing with another country to make sure that our like our student satisfaction is here when I don't know where they get those statistics from but um and like our grades are here and um it's so crazy that it goes from such a small scale like literally just countries competing with each other and I think that often disincentivizes is a disincentive for us um as young people to make change because as Aaliyah said at the start as well we often feel quite passive because the problem is so large like how do you tackle like we're always trying to tackle the government and what they do um so when the problem is that big like where where can we start and I think like obviously conversations like this are amazing place to start um, and like lobbying and everything like that. But um, yeah, the problem is so big that sometimes it's hard to know where to, where to begin to tackle it. It is. And yet to come back to that point that, that Alia made earlier, you know, it's like it's, th th these conversations are a great start, but they are just that. They're a start. Like it has to turn into action. Um, this, it's not okay for this to just continue to go on. Alia. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that Lottie mentioned, you know, the marketization of education because... I, I wasn't aware of what that was until I started doing sociology in year 12. And it's like, it's really interesting that I didn't actually understand the mechanisms behind the way the education system was, was working and I was a part of it. And so I was experiencing all these things and I could, you know, I think a lot of students sort of clock onto things, but they don't actually kind of understand why it's happening or the bigger structures or who's influencing it. And when I did, when I, you know, studied sociology, I, my eyes were just open to like, oh my gosh, I'm a candidate number. I'm viewed as, you know, a candidate number more than I'm viewed as an individual. That's more important. You know, the grades that I get. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's not, when you when you realise it, it is really disempowering, which is not what we want the education system to do. We want it to empower 
young people. And I mean, it goes back to, I just think of so many different experiences of where like teachers would quite outrightly say that like, you know, your grades are more important than you in, in black and white. Um, and it's just, it's really uncomfortable. Um, it is really uncomfortable. And you see it when, you know, teachers are really focused on how they can get more students into the sixth form or get more students into um, into their school in order to sort of get that, you know, more funding and things like that. And students don't realise that that's that's what's going on. And I know it's not all students, but it's, it's all teachers, sorry, but it is that management perspective that Lottie was talking about. And I think, I don't know whether it's unrealistic to say that we can get rid of, you know, marketization entirely. Um, but in regards to like in school, I don't know whether I'm, you know, sort of being sucked into to the education system that I'm experiencing and just saying that. But I think, you know, overall, just that competition, league tables, Ofsted and that sort of thing, we all know it creates immense pressure that takes away, you know, the very learning experience that we that we need and all desire in school. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. By the way, there's some incredible comments and support coming through on the on the Facebook feed here. I recommend that you all have a look at this afterwards if you can't do currently. Uh, let's go to Olivia. Um, well, I think that, um, well, the school part, like the actual school part, like learning is fun. But I feel like if you tell that to anyone that goes to public school, any school really they tend to disagree but they I feel like that's not what learning is like where you're in a school for like almost 24 hours and then you go home and you do homework for the whole rest of it like that's not really learning like that you're getting information but that's not learning like learning is when you go on a hike with a guide and he teaches you about the economy of the forest like that's what I feel like learning is but if you're in a classroom and like some kids cry under the desk because they don't want to go to school and I feel like that's just wrong like that's not what learning is yeah thank you Lottie I totally agree. And um, I wanted to say how I was reading an article a while ago about how schools should teach young people to be bored and that that's an essential life skill that, that we need. And I finished reading it and I went, so we're teaching young people to go into a world and create new jobs that are going to be boring and aren't going to be fun. Because when young people are enjoying themselves and are loving the education that they're learning and loving the jobs that they're doing, then we're going to create this social change. Um, so this idea of boredom being an essential life skill, <clears throat> I completely disagree with because you're just asking people to go through the system without any sort of creative mindset and think, of how can we change it to make it fun, inventive, different, outside the box, and actually create some really, really cool things out of it. Um, so I think that needs to go as well, this idea of boredom. Yeah, thank you. Let's go, Kate. And then I'd like to come to Lox and uh, Marcos and Andres and hear what you think about what we've been talking about so far. Kate. Well, they might be able to answer my question. So having come from inside the education system, being a teacher for 15 years and, and, and very slowly releasing my grip on the control of what children are allowed to learn and how they're allowed to learn it and how I want them to demonstrate the thing that I've taught them that they now know um, to running a self-directed school. Lots of there's lots of fear around giving children control over their own learning. 
that they will just choose to sit down on their bottoms and not do any work or play Minecraft for six weeks solid and not learn a thing. So as we have clearly a group of very self-directed young people on screen, I would love it if someone could describe to me the journey that you go on when you choose to learn something for yourselves. When you have the time and the space that you describe wanting to have when you learn something, when you when you grant that to yourself, what does it feel like when you're learning something? Can someone just, I don't know, tell the rest of the world what it's like to be a self-directed learner? Let's go to you, Lux. It seems like you're the best place to answer that question because you're living this life right now. Um, what do you think about that? Well, um, I feel like that is uh, that, that is very true. And what I feel like once I've once I'm learning something, and when I'm learning some, and when I'm learning something is um, it's a, it's an incredible journey because you never know what you might be learning. It might be um, like camping out in the forest. It might be climbing a huge tree, or it might. It, or, or it might be um, like drawing, it could be anything, but um, it, it's an incredible journey. And once you've done it, it then it's an incredible feeling because it, it feels like you've just mastered it, and that's a skill for life you're gonna have. Like once, like um, when when I was tiny, I I loved dancing, and I still do. And um, and once I and um, once I'd finally mastered the moonwalk, I felt so proud of myself. If if only the, the the campfire background would allow you to model the the moonwalk for us, Lux. I would I would love to see that. And just, it was it might be interesting for people to know that Lux before we before we went live um, revealed that he's been doing some maths this morning on a Saturday morning, totally self directed, not at school. How many school kids get up on a Saturday morning and do maths just because they're interested in it, not because they've got been not because they've been set homework, but just because they're like self directedly learning maths, you know. That's an incredible thing. Um, so th there's a, there's an interesting question that Kate raised earlier. That's about like the separation of education from school. People really like think that they're the same thing, and they're not. Lox has never been to school, <laughs> and he learns all kinds of stuff. And the hive is not a school. It doesn't it doesn't operate like a school. It's sort of a bit like a school but it's not a school. Um, and so, it, you know, there are other ways of, of organizing learning, of organizing education, of the, the idea of schools is a place where people come together, young people come together and they, you know, figure stuff out together and learn together. That's a great idea, but it doesn't have to be this top-down model where you all sit in rows and you're all told, you know, what to think and when and so on. Marcos. Yeah, that's what I like about the hive. It's just like, um, instead of like normal school, where they're like, here, here's a textbook, like that you write in and you do problems in. Here, like you like figure out like a problem and then you try to solve it and you work with your hands instead of like trying to like read the textbook and figure out what they're meaning and stuff. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, how about who haven't we heard from a while? Eddie, uh, Andres, what are your thoughts on what you've been hearing? As far as what Marcos was saying, yeah, I think um, also with what Kate was saying, I think a big part of why self-directed learning has been so just like, I guess, successful and like empowering for me is because you get to choose um here how do i put this so like learning is a lot about 
finding problems and then learning how to fix them. That's essentially, you know, life. <laughs> so I think that uh, in public education, often you're given the problem and then you have to figure out a specific solution that the teachers decide or the educators decide, whatever they are. Um, but as a self-directed learner, you get to choose the problem and you come up with your own solution. And then in the end, when you've done that, it just feels so much more rewarding because when you yourself choose the problem, you know, um, if you choose it wisely, then it's probably something that you actually care about. It's not some odd problem in a textbook that really just has no meaning to you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Olivia. Um, well, I've actually lately um, thrown myself into trying to read um, five National Geographic articles a week. And I'm actually, for the last week I've done that so and it's really helping with my learning but i came up with that all on my own i didn't no one told me to and it actually felt really good to just have me be in charge of that yeah wow that's amazing thank you alia that's really amazing olivia and i think i think a lot of i can only talk for myself as a child like and a young person i like doing things when i i do it off my own back rather than being told to do it and that's why I think self-directed learning is so is so empowering. And I think the education system doesn't encourage us to see learning as lifelong. And I think that's what the problem is because we're not encouraged to see it as lifelong. We just see it as, okay, we just do it so that we can like, you know, do this exam and then it's over. And unfortunately, a lot of like, you know, the national curriculum that we learn, I've never had like so GCSE got, for example, or probably even A-level, um, a little bit less A-level because it, you know, it does narrow down to what I want to do at university, but GCSEs, I can't even begin to tell you all the things that I just have never picked up from the moment I finished that exam, which is really unfortunate. Um, so if we encourage and sort of like change the narrative in to see and learning as life lifelong, um, and not just about, you know, the the mark schemes and that sort of stuff, but actually because a lot of students ask, like, why are we learning this? How is it going to apply? How is, you know, these equations or paragraphs theorem and stuff like that going to be relevant? Um, and so if yeah, if we make sure that what we're learning in school is actually beneficial and relevant, such as those soft skills, um, teamwork, you know, it, it had, funny enough, was the subjects that wasn't encouraged, such as like drama and PE, which were two of my chosen GCC subjects, that I think I've learned the most from, and I've, those skills that I've gained have helped me right now in this com conversation, the communication, teamwork, collaboration. So yeah, those, those subjects wasn't encouraged. I was, you know, told to go down and do triple science and pick history and do everything that I didn't want to do really. Um, but often I feel like if we're encouraging lifelong learning, young people will sort of gravitate towards what they like. And I think Grace said earlier, like encouraging us to find our strengths and to, you know, work on our weaknesses rather than just fixating on, you know, what you have to do in order to get a grade and pass and go through that exam factory. Thank you. Uh, Andres, do you want to come in next? Sure. So, like, I don't really know what we're talking about right now. So I'm kind of confused a little bit. Could someone, like, elaborate a little more? 
I was just asking you to talk about how you view learning when you've chosen to learn something for yourself. So the difference between when you're in an education system where somebody else decides what you get to learn and how you get to learn it and they tell you what it would look like if it was a good version of learning to like what do you do how do you choose to go about organizing your own learning because you're not inside the standard education system that most kids are so what does it look like for you for me at least like i haven't really done a lot of self-directed learning but like i have a little bit so like what i normally do is like we have like five things we need to get done a day. So then I just organize them like, okay, I can do like three of these at like in like in like two hours and I need to take a break so then I don't like turn into a zombie sort of person, like crazy, like not productive whatsoever. So I just space it out more like that instead of like having more like, we did this homeschool co-op, which was like, you're there from nine, to three o'clock doing pretty much all school stuff. So it was total hell pretty much in a way. Um, so like you would go first to like a writing class. Then I got like this special like drawing class. Then like there was lunchtime and there was like this other stuff. It was just like really crazy and unproductive. Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard people so it's really interesting because like from the teacher's perspective, I think that things are often done in that way because they think it's efficient because they can just sort of like treat kids in like little age-based batches and they put them in classrooms of 30 and they get them sitting in rows and they sort of set the agenda and they can measure it all and it feels efficient. But from the young person's perspective, it feels anything but efficient often because they feel like, I don't want to be doing this. And if you really get into something that you want to spend all day doing, but you've now got to go to four of the lessons that you're not really that interested in at this point in time, then it's not an efficient way to spend your time. So that's an, that's an interesting question to look at, this question of efficiency. Let's go to Aaliyah and then Olivia. I think that's a really interesting point because it made me think about lockdown. Um, <clears throat> we were removed out of the system and then now we're all sort of at home and a lot of it was self-directed. So although I had, you know, online learning and stuff, I was able, a lot of the time things were pre-recorded and stuff like that. And so I actually had the autonomy over my own education and my own learning where I woke up when I wanted to wake up because I wasn't going to school. Um, the teachers, you know, couldn't control that. And then I decided in what order I wanted to do my lessons, when I wanted to do it, whether I wanted to concentrate on one thing more than the other. And there was a lot of talk and a lot of, you know, a lot of fear around, oh, like students development and young people sort of like missing out on the key stages of development. And I, I actually sort of challenge that a little bit and say that, yeah, okay, we might have not had that socialization and things like that. But actually, I feel like I learned more than I probably would have learned if I actually was in school due to me being able to have that control due to me we talked about pace earlier me able to do things in my own time at my own speed being able to watch things back um and also being able to have you know the autonomy over my day so I could do other things so because I'm in school normally from 8 30 to 3 and sometimes even to 5 um on a normal Monday to Friday now when I was in lockdown you know, if at two o'clock I wanted to be done and jump on a call with Lottie and organize with other young people and create amazing change, then that's what we did. And I feel like I developed so many more skills and came to school 
a sort of more well-rounded individual than I would have been if I was actually just, you know, going through school the way it was before. So I think a lot can be learned through the way we were learning before um, at lockdown and, you know, the many lockdowns that we did have in the UK. Um, and it should be encouraged rather than looked at as like a really negative thing. Oh no, you're missing out on, you know, period one to period five where you're actually in classrooms, you know, in rows, like you said, James. I don't think it should be seen as a negative thing at all. Mm, thank you. Olivia? Um, yeah, well, um, I have ADHD, dyslexia, ODHD, basically a bunch of things. But when you say that, sometimes I feel like people think, okay, then you don't learn anything in school, which isn't exactly true because even now I still remember um, in front of the classroom, there was this big like brush area, but all of a sudden we started stepping on caterpillars. And so the teacher said that we were going to learn about the caterpillar life cycle. And so we made little clay caterpillars and butterflies and learned about their life cycle. And I still remember it. But, um, and I did wonderful. I did like A pluses every time because um, that's what my brain wanted to do. That's what it was interested in. It didn't want to learn like five plus five. It didn't want to do that. It wanted to learn about caterpillars and it would not pay attention. Even if I badly wanted it to and tried as hard as I could to focus on it, it wouldn't, it didn't want to. So I couldn't make it. And so I just kind of fell behind in everything except for the one project once a month that I could do really well in. And I liked. Such a powerful way of describing it, Olivia. Thank you. Grace. Um, yeah, I agree with Olivia and Elia that um, I think there's, but also there's a lot of fear from the people in charge, like the management kind of side of it. There's a lot of fear that if we give young people this autonomy, that everyone's just going to like what Kate said, like just like run riot and play Minecraft and like sit and like marinate in their room for six weeks and not know what to do. And I think that yeah, maybe some people for the start, like it's a big thing, like, oh my gosh, I had now have control of my life. What do I do? I've never had this before. Um, I've never known how to direct myself. So that's why, like the longer they keep it from us, the more fear that there's going to be attached to it. Like we're going to still be, we're going to get more scared of um, being able to be in charge of our own our own learning. But um, some people will take, like what I've seen at the Hive, like some people will take three weeks of just like, oh, what do I have? Like, the you've given me this power and I don't know what to do with it. And then all of a sudden, three weeks after having that power, they just they just produce such amazing stuff. And they're like, well, I, I can do this. Like, it's really not that hard. Um, I just needed, they just need time. Like, people just need time and pace to pace themselves and um, know how to channel the the empowerment that, that they have been given. Thank you. Uh, Sam already. Yeah, I, I think nowadays in the US, um, edu the education system, they almost make classrooms like a recycling bin where they'll look through it and some of them, like some of them they'll keep, but if they don't like some of them because they learn different, they kind of just throw them in the trash to rot. And that's not at all how the education system should be. And I think 
um, if they had a little longer, like Drake said, uh, they could do great things. And I, I guess they need to be let off leash. Wow. Thank you. That's almost like, too much. That's, That's how... really uncomfortable in my stomach. Yeah. I'm feeling wow. really emotional at the way that you described children being made to feel about themselves. That's very powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Lottie. I think adding on to what Grace said earlier as well, um, as well as not having the option to kind of help craft education, we're viewed as knowledgeless and stupid. I'm going to be really blunt. A lot of the time people don't think we have a lot of vital skills that maybe we've self-directedly taught ourselves. Um, so what we were talking about last time when I was on is just asking young people before you assume they have this really low base level knowledge and skill set. Um, because then when they feel that respect of you going, actually, you know, do you know that already? Oh, you do. OK, then crafting that education together is going to be like it's going to be incredible. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Right. So um, it's gone one o'clock and we usually try to sort of to keep these conversations to around about an hour. This has been such a powerful conversation for me. Like I feel quite overwhelmed and I sort of haven't really processed it properly yet. Um, there's just so much here. And I really hope that that you will all come back and, and join us again because it feels like we're just sort of getting started, really. There's just been so many like quotable moments um, that people have been picking up um, on the on the Facebook feed. Um let, let's let's end. I want to just go around and hear from all of you on this that question that we asked for that, that our friend James asked me to ask, which is like if 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 you're a teacher who's listening to this or a head teacher, uh, say like what can they do on Monday morning or next week, say or next month or from 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 today? What would you like to see teachers and head teachers um, do differently to to make it so that young people are better served by by school and by education so um let's go um just in the order that you appear on my screen so we'll start with lottie um i would say every lesson you have this week not just on monday every lesson <laughs> take five minutes out at the beginning and just pause and allow young people to have just a minute before you start stuff. Because I think we, we've spoken about pace a lot and how it's so quick and how everything's hammered into you. Give young people time because that is going to create people with better mental health, people who are a lot more curious and are able to question things because you've given that time to pause and help their development so much more. So that's me. Love it. Thank you. Just take a moment. It's not like, not, yeah, that's lovely. Thank you. Lux. So, yeah, I agree with what Lottie said. You should just take a breath and just let it all sink in. But um, another thing which, which I've been trying to say is we do need to change education as it is and because it's not right and it's not working for a lot of kids at the moment, And um, which is basically the whole point of this Zoom call. And, um, yeah, and why we've all shared our ideas as to how, how we should change that. And um, yeah. Perfect, thank you. Grace. Um, I think that 
it would be good if to find time to ask um, the students how what the teacher can do to make their like one small thing that they can do to make their learning experience more um, enjoyable. Like even if it's just on a small scale, like oh sir, I don't like it when um, like you pick on me directly in the lesson or something like that. Like make a small connection with each student. Which I'm not saying that teachers don't do that, but um, actually asking kids directly what you can do to make their experience more enjoyable is quite powerful and I've noticed that since I've been at the hive like asking kids what would you like how would how can I make this better for you and it and it makes a nice connection between you and the and the student yeah thank you somebody put a comment on the Facebook feed earlier that was really nice it was from Ian and he said uh, when you visit a dentist or a doctor or a car mechanic or whatever the first thing that they do is they seek your view. They ask you like, what's, what's, what's going on? What's wrong? And like, how can I help? Um, and it seems like that might be a nice attitude to adopt that, you know, we, we are responding uh, rather than just like delivering, delivering, delivering. Thank you. Marcos. Like one of the things I would like to see is like um, before you start your day, you have like five, um, you give the class enough time to like get ready. And then like, instead of like saying like, here's what we're gonna do today. And like, here's like your problems. Like, what do you, like the teacher asks them like, what do you wanna do today? Like, how do you, what do you wanna learn? And how do you wanna learn how to do that? Yeah, lovely. Thank you very much. Um, Sam. Um, I, I think, I think it'd be better if like some, some public schools in the U S do have breaks, but it's not really a break at that point because they're forcing you to do things like even the breaks their way, they're forcing you to do yoga. I mean, like it's not relaxing if they make you do it. Like just it'd be more helpful if you can do your own thing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So like give actual breaks where, where young people have a choice over what to do or not to do. Thank yeah. you. That's not too much to ask, is it? My goodness. Eddie. I think if there was one thing I could ask of like educators in general would be based on my past experiences, I would say probably, you know, um, nurture kids own, you know, nurture their own personalities and ideas rather than trying to um, feed them yours. Even if you think they're wrong, let them figure that out for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Andres. I would say like make school a little more like calmer energy and like almost more safer to be your own self because like my past experiences have been like really negative and like almost insecure and like one of the reasons why 
Um, I've never been in the public schools because, like, I don't know about this in, like, the UK or anything, but, like, most of the kids that go to public schools are, like, total jerks and idiots and, like, smoke pot in the bathroom and stuff like that. So, like, it's just, like, not a really safe environment to be in. Right. Yeah, thank you. So make it, just do whatever it takes to make young people feel safe. Thank yeah. you, which is so important. And I know that that's central to your thinking, Kate. Uh, yes. Yes, that's what we try to do. Um, we're trying to trying to respond, actually, to the things that you've said this morning, which is very reassuring for me to try and give you space to do things at your own pace, to give you time in the morning to get... Um, to get yourself gathered and to feel in a good place to decide what you want to learn that day and how you want to go about it and whose help you need to get there. Um, I'm sure we don't get it all right all of the time, but we're trying. And having this opportunity to listen to you all speak um, is a huge privilege. So I just want to thank you all for being so honest and for sharing such valuable insights into what it is like for young people to experience learning in all the different ways. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, Alia? I think overall, I completely agree with everybody and I just would strip it back to like humanizing education, like seeing it as a human experience. And that is going to come with like um, Kate just said about like, we're not always going to get it right but we're humans, right? So if we acknowledge that we're human beings, then I think we would be more empathetic, more understanding. Um, we can actually work on building genuine relationships and connections with our peers and our teachers and overall create a safer environment that is beneficial and relevant to that individual. And yeah, I think it, it just comes down to humanizing it because, you know, we're not robots and we shouldn't be made to feel like we're going through like an exam factory because that's just not how we function. And at some point, someone's going to break, right? Whether it's the teachers or all the young people. And these experiences here show that like we've all experienced different breaking points. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And I think it's lastly, people have been moving around on the screen for some reason, but I think that Olivia is the last person. Um, yeah, so like to reply, because most of our conversation was about homeschooling and letting kids kind of have the reins, but also like a little kid isn't going to be like, I want to learn how to do biology, like they have to kind of, someone has to tell them, like, not what to learn and how to do it, but like, just give them the options, like tell them, because they're not going to come up to you and be like, I want to learn about the Earth's atmosphere. Like, I'm sure that they'd love to do that, but you kind of have to mention it to them. Yeah. Try and, like, encourage it a little bit. Just so that they don't sit around, not really knowing what to do. Yes, yeah, yeah. So bringing people into the conversation, making them feel valued and listened to. 
Thank you so much. Just as a little summary, thank you to Ray Snape, who's done a helpful summary of your, your suggestions here. So we need to humanize education, be more empathetic, build relationships, create a safer environment that's relevant to young people. We are robots. It's not a factory. And I think that I think my own final word would be just to like, I mean, that thing that you said, Sam, earlier was just so powerful about, you know, like young people being made to feel like recycling, like like disposed of, like feeling like rubbish. That's such a, a just a horrific thing. And, and obviously, like, no, like teachers, like I work with teachers all the time. They're nearly always absolutely lovely and they really, really care about every single one of the kids. And they really, in the bottom of their hearts, want the best for every single young person. So it's, this is not laying any blame at the, at the feet of teachers or head teachers who are all working within the system, but within the constraints of the system. And some of this is about those big ideas of marketization and competition that Lottie was talking about earlier, that because of the way that the system is set up, despite the best intentions of everybody in that system, some people leave school feeling like that, you know, and that's just not, oh my goodness, you know, just like... I don't know what it is, how the, what that looks like on Monday morning, but just do whatever it takes to make it so that young people do not feel like that. Um, wow, thank you so much. Somebody mentioned earlier, um, I don't know what the name of the political party is that you're going to form after this call, but you got my vote. Um, and so I really, I'm really looking forward to continuing this conversation. This is not a one-off thing. This is a series of campfire conversations. You are all welcome back every fortnight, as far as I'm concerned. Bring your friends and let's uh, spread this campfire um, theme far and wide. Bring more and more people into the conversation. As we said earlier, it's not only about saying, hey, kids, fix fix this mess for us. It's like we all need to be involved in this. And I've sort of got some ideas as to, have, as to a process that we might be able to work through together that we can you know, where we can actually start to work with people on, you know, solutions. Um, so that's all to be continued. I just want to end by thanking you all hugely for sharing so generously of your time and your insightful thoughts and your experiences. Uh, it's been mind-blowing, and I think I'm going to have to just take some time and listen back to this to, to let it all sink in, because it's been really powerful and thank you to everyone as well who's been who's been contributing on the facebook feed um until the next time take care everyone everyone bye bye bye, bye. thank you